Welcome to the Horror Filmmaking Academy. Learn how to make a killer movie by avoiding the pitfalls of indie horror filmmaking. And now for your host, Rubel Raphael Ahmed. Hello and welcome to the Horror Filmmaking Academy. Just before we get started today, I'd just like to say that I'm going to be on hiatus for a few weeks, maybe about a month. Um, I'll be on holiday uh, and I want to enjoy the sun and keep writing my feature script. Uh, but don't worry, I'm leaving you with a really good interview. It's with Victor Driere and he's the writer-director behind 1974 La Possession de Altair. Um, it's a fan footage horror film, um, all shot on Super 8. But before we get to that, let's do a bit of housekeeping. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Just type in Super Rubes. And usually I'm there um, posting horror news and articles I found online. Uh, maybe talking a little bit about what I'm up to and also what guests I've got on the show. Um, you can use those platforms to send me questions you want answered by the guests or recommend me a movie and I'll be putting that at the end of the show. If you'd prefer, you can email me. I'm superrubes at gmail.com and you can also go to YouTube and just type in superrubes and you can see the stuff I've been working on, some of the short horror films and things like that. I'll be sure to put all that stuff in the show notes, so check that out. If you find this episode valuable, please uh, rate and review it on iTunes and if you feel extra generous, um, share it across your social media platforms. Things like this really help spread the word and allow me to get some awesome guests for you guys. Make sure you stay tuned till the end of the show. Um, I'll be recommending you a couple of movies. So without further ado, let's go straight into the main interview. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Victor Dreyer. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Um, so obviously I want to talk about 1974, The Possession of Altair. Uh, but before we do that, maybe you can just tell us a bit about history and how you got into filmmaking. Um... I always wanted to, to make films since I was really, really young, but I, I didn't believe it was possible. So, especially I remember when I was like, I don't know, six, seven years old, I, I used to draw a lot. I like drawing and I said that when I grow up, I would be a, a cartoonist. I would draw for films. And I remember a, a cousin of mine, he was older, I was seven, he was, I don't know, 12. And he told me, everybody says they want to, be, to become something when they grow up, but it always changes. So you're not gonna be a cartoonist nor a filmmaker. And sadly that, um, what he told me uh, affected my, my, what I believed. <laughs> so it made me think that actually, yes, it was kind of impossible. But as I was growing older, uh, I remember, I, I'm, I've never been so good at uh, uh, team sports like football and basketball. Uh, and I remember that when I, it, I don't know, I was nine, ten years old, and they asked us for, uh, to do a, a school, how, how is it called? A... Uh, school homework. We need we needed to do a video instead of the usual homeworks that we did. So that video, I remember that I got my parents' camera and I worked with my fellow teammates. And while I was shooting, uh, time passed extremely fast. I was very obsessive, uh, telling everybody what to do. Uh, Everybody wanted to, to leave, and I was like, no, we're not ready, we need to finish, and we need to, be, to do this perfectly. 
And then when I went, when we turned that uh, homework and we saw the, the video uh, in class, something happened where, where the kids were laughing and really connected with the short film. And I've never felt that connection with other human beings uh, before. So I said, maybe this is what people feel when they're playing sports together in a team. But uh, so it, it kind of changed me uh, because I've never felt that. So again, I was, I, I, I knew that that was kind of my thing. So as I was growing up, I did short films and everything I could just for myself, never, never send it to, to any film festivals uh, or anything. Until I studied marketing and during the weekends I studied filmmaking here in Monterrey, Mexico, where I'm from. Then I, I met accidentally with, with a director. I started working as an assistant with him for, for over a year. We were looking for a producer for his film and we couldn't find one. So he told me, why don't you become the executive producer of the film? So. I was scared because I didn't have any experience, but I said yes. So that's actually how I learned to make uh, films professionally. And after that experience, I wrote my own screenplay, several of them, until I finally got the idea of 1974 that would be the first one to, to, to be produced. Cool. And um, just to go back on some a couple of things you said there. The first thing was um, the short films. I mean, I saw a few listed on IMDb. Are those the ones that you're talking about? Yeah. And um, yes, those those are the ones. Okay, and um, so you're saying also you wrote a few more um, feature scripts before 1974. So how did you know this was the right time to step up and make a feature? Because I've, I've made I. Three, three screenplays before. One was a collaboration between a friend of mine and me, but we, we didn't push it forward. It was like an action film, uh, but I, I didn't really like it. I just accepted to, to do it with my friend just to write something. Then I wrote a film about, it was a kind of romance, but it was horrible. <laughs> so. I didn't show it to anyone. And then I wrote a horror uh, screenplay after producing 180 Degrees is the film that I produced. And so after that experience, I, I wrote a, a horror screenplay, which is, it was a good uh, script, but it, it cost around $1 million to make. Wow. And I couldn't find the, the money to do it here in, in Mexico. Maybe if I looked for, for the money for, for a longer time, I, I would have, but I was really desperate and I was kind of getting into a, a very black stage or a kind of, I got depressed one night because I kind of saw, I did an exercise in which I saw my future without making films and it looked really really dark and sad so i couldn't sleep that night and during the morning uh, after i couldn't get those uh, one million dollars to make my film i said it's either i need to make 
any film or or I die. <laughs> so I started to get ideas for other films in which uh, I could get, I could make without uh, that much money. And that's how I started to, to look for ideas. And then I found a, a, an eight millimeter, eight millimeter projector that my grandparents had given to me. And then uh, I remember that my parents' uh, wedding was shot in Super 8. So I got the film rolls and I tried, I put it in the, in the projector to see if it worked and it worked. And I saw my parents wedding in eight millimeters and it really moved me. Uh, and also because, well, obviously I saw them very young and getting married and, and very excited, but also the format, there was something dark and scary that I saw in the film. Yeah. So that's when I said, if, if, if my parents' wedding uh, is scary, then I could really do something that would be really, really scary shooting it on eight millimeters. So that's how the idea came. And the idea was to make it as, as fast and uh, cheap as possible. But it was, in the end, it was not that cheap nor fast. It took me five years. Wow. The, the budget, I mean, it is extremely low budget. It was around $150,000. But uh, in the beginning, I wanted to do it with uh, $25,000 or something like that. But, yeah. Cool. Um, so um, before we talk about uh, 1974, maybe you can quickly pitch us a logline for the movie. Uh, yeah, the logline is, uh, well, it's about a couple, uh, a young newlywed couple that disappears in Mexico in 1974, and the film uh, is their 8mm tapes in which we can see the horrors they live until their disappearance, and the interesting part is why did they disappear. Yeah, and... Um... Uh, how did you come up with the concept? And just to add to that, how long did it take for you to write the script? Uh, it took me three three months to write the, the script. Uh, I, I don't want to... Well, you already saw the film. The idea is to not reveal the ending. Yeah, of course. But when I was a child, I... Sometimes I, I, I used to have certain dreams and other times I used to imagine things and there is there is a blurry line between the things right now that I'm older, the things that I imagine and the things that happened and the things that I only were dreams. And there's a mix between those in, in which I remember, I think it was dreams, but I remember that I received certain visits similar to the ones that uh, the characters, uh, well, the protagonist Altair receives in the film. Not as scary as those, but but I but I I have this th thing in which I believe or or I don't know. I felt a connection with with that kind of thing when I was. When I was young, I don't know if it was 
extreme curiosity about that subject and that's what I imagine things uh, or I dream about those. I, I don't know, but it, it comes from horrors of my childhood. Cool. And um, I was just going to say, uh, you said you wrote in three months. Uh, was that the first draft or the whole thing, like final draft? Uh, it was... No, final draft. It changed during the production and, and during post-production. It kept changing, but no, those three months were uh, the final draft. I didn't actually write that that many drafts. For example, the, the screenplay I'm writing now has I've been writing for one one year and a half. Oh wow. It's too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those three months were actually a strange thing for me because I normally take a lot of a lot, a lot of time for things to be perfect. But since I was really desperate, I really was eager to to shoot my film. So but then for a certain lack of writing or or experience, then I that's why it took me five years to finish oh, because yeah. there were a lot of mistakes in the writing, uh, in the shooting, and then I had to fix them uh, during post production, which you sh you shouldn't do, <laughs> and that's why uh, yeah, I learned a lot doing the film. So that's why it has taken me so long for for the next one to to write. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, when you were writing this, I'm assuming you always intended to direct it. Um, how did you get investors on board? Well, uh, part of the plan was my, my the first investors were my parents because I have a sister and she just got married, I don't know, one year before I made the film. And I don't know if this is how it works in in, in the UK, but here in Mexico, normally uh, the the bride's parents uh, put money for the for the wedding mm -hmm. and the groom as well. So my sister got married, and my parents told me, "Just so you know, we gave some money to your sister for her wedding. So when you get married, we're gonna give you the same amount." So I, I said, "Well, what if you give it?" Why don't you give it to me now so I can make my film instead of getting married? I really don't care about getting married right now. I want to make my film. So they said yes, and that's how we started. With that money, we did pre-production and production, actually. It was like, and it wasn't that much money. We did it really, really cheap. That that part was cheap. That the part that that we actually, when I started spending a lot of money, was during post production. Uh, I had to change. Yeah, I had to change a lot of team members and the VFX and uh, sound design and music and uh, the online editing and and the sound mixing and all that. That's where the, the money went. Wow. Really. We'll talk about post production in a second. Uh, I just wanted to ask before we get to that, um, how long was the actual production of the movie and how big was your crew? Production was two weeks and a half. Pre-production, pre-production, I think it was two weeks and the shooting was two weeks and a half. It was fast, actually. Okay. The crew, we were between, I think, I think 20 
people. 20 people, okay. Yeah, between 15 and 20. Oh, wow. Cool. Small group. Uh, yeah, um, so with post-production, I mean, I know I've heard in another podcast, I think, that you had to go and do a bunch of reshoots. Um, is uh, that yeah. something that added a lot of um, money to the budget? Yes. I had to do three reshoots <laughs> and for the for the same scenes, but because things just went terribly wrong. I, I don't know what happened in that stage. During the shooting, the principal photography of the film, everything went actually really good. Uh, the atmosphere, everything went like it should go. But after I started editing the film and went inside post-production and I really got into a dark spiral where I didn't like the film and I, I started seeing a lot of mistakes uh, and shit got weird and crazy during that stage. So after actually the reshoots, I first, I edited the film and then I didn't like it, but I said, well, maybe since it's my first film as a director, maybe if I, when I add the music and the sound design and the VFX, I'm going to like it. So I went to that stage and we did VFX, music and, and, and sound design, and it was finished and I still didn't like it. So it was, my God, I don't know what, what else to do. So I was talking to one of the producers uh, and he told me, why don't you... Why don't you add some scenes? If you don't like it, why don't you correct certain shots or, uh, or add things that you would like in, in the movie? I've never thought of that because because of the money and the time I was already spending uh, in the film. But one, uh, w once he gave me the idea, it was like, oh yeah, I should do that. I don't know where I'm gonna get the money from, but I should do that. And then I I got the money because I was making I was working to doing publicity for the government and, and certain brands. Uh, I was writing and, and, and directing. So the money I, I did from, from that, I put it in the, in the film. So I had money to do the reshoot uh, for, I don't know, it was around, I think it was 15 pages of reshoots, <laughs> which is a lot. Yeah. But I, I and some of the, of the crew members that I, it, this was, I don't know, three years after principal photography. So people really, some of the team members really didn't believe that I was going to finish the film. And it was also a very, it was sad because I, I called some of them and they wouldn't, they wouldn't answer my calls. Uh, so I had to look for other crew members. Uh, and then I tried to do it very, very cheap, but the team that I assembled for the reshoot really didn't have the experience needed, so it didn't work out. I spent, it was not that much money, but the money that I had, so basically nothing uh, worked from that uh, failed reshoot. I stopped it before it, uh, one day before the shooting, actually, because Things were not prepared. So then I needed to get, I said, okay, this is not going to work doing it cheap. So I'm going to spend more money and I'm going to get a, a real uh, crew so I can do it and finally finish. So 
again, I got money from me working on, on ads, uh, but it took me, I don't know, six, six months to get that money. So then I assembled the team again and everything was working fine. But since we were in the, in the middle of a forest in the woods and things were really against me, it's what, it was like the gods didn't want me to, to finish the film. And suddenly the camera, the 8mm camera, even though we sent it to LA to, to check the batteries and everything, it just stopped working. Oh my God. So, so we were there in the middle of the, of the woods without finishing the film uh, and I didn't know what to do. So we shot some scenes in a, in a digital camera, which I was really against that because the whole film had been shot in eight millimeters. But I said, well, what the hell? So we shot some scenes, but since we lost a lot of time trying to, to fix the, the other camera, the eight millimeter camera, we, the we, time, I mean, the sun came and everybody, it was gonna be three days, we lost around one and a half. So we couldn't finish the scenes and people had to go back to their houses. So. There was still material that had to be shot. Uh, so time passed again. I got more money and then I assembled a team and then we did it again. And finally we, we finished the film. And when I added the scenes, then I said, I, I saw the film, I edited and it was like, ah, yes, this is the film that I wanted. So I went back to the musician, the composer and sound designer and VFX to add, well, no, VFX were already finished, but the composer and sound design, we needed to, to, well, to work on the film again. Sound design didn't work, so I, I had to get another sound designer, and it was again, start from scratch, uh, but it was crazy. And we had to, we had to basically dub 70% of the dialogues and, and folly and really? basically every sounds. Yeah, because the camera, the eight millimeter camera is really, really noisy. But what, before shooting, we did some tests and the sound designer said, no, 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 I can clean it perfectly. But then he, he couldn't clean it perfectly. So that's why I let him go after, I don't know, two years of working together with him. Uh, so I said, yeah, so I, I work with a, a new sound designer, which is great. His name is Uriel Villalobos. I think we're going to work together forever. <laughs> uh, so it was a good thing. But we, need, we had to dub almost the entire film. And the actors had to do it three years after shooting. So it was really crazy. And we didn't have money to do that. So it was, it was crazy. Wow, what a story. Um, uh, just one thing before I talk about festivals a little bit. Um, the trailer for this movie is like mind-blowing. Um, it's so good. Um, who made the trailer for it? Ah, thank you. I've never heard, heard that before. I, I did it. Oh, you? Yeah. It's amazing. I, ah, thank you. I've never... Nobody had told me that. They should. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I wanted to do one of my own before... Uh, well, for the festivals and all that, uh, and I wanted to do something different, uh, and 
the, for example, the, all the music and the sounds you hear in the trailer, we did it uh, with the sound designer that, I, that I'm with, Uriel, and I really like it. I really like the sound in the trailer, so thank you. No worries. I mean, um, I, I make film trailers every now and then, um, mm. and that really caught my eye. I was like, it doesn't give a lot away, but it really gives you a sense of the tone of the film. Um, yeah and yeah it just worked perfectly really like as soon as i saw that i was like i have to find this film <laughs> um, so i know you sent it to a, um, a bunch of uh, festivals after it was made uh, how did you decide which festivals you're going to send it to ah uh, well before I, I really didn't since it was again my first experience i did a really extensive uh, search on the specifically on internet to see how how the world of festivals worked. And I made a list of around, I don't know, it was 30, 40 or 50 festivals that were, that could work for the film. Most of them, there were horror festivals and others were like top tier festivals like Cannes and Berlin and Toronto that some sometimes accept horror films. Uh, but, Regarding, I finished the film on May 2016 and I started, I had my list of 50 festivals, so I started sending it to the ones that were open uh, and one of those, which was actually one of the top festivals on my list, was the Sigis Film Festival. Uh, so I sent it in May. And I think on June, by the end of June, they gave me uh, the answer that it was in. So I stopped sending it to, to I think, the other festivals. I, we just went to Sigis, which is uh, the top horror film festival. So for me, it was, whoa, this is it. This is the one that I wanted. Uh, so we went to the, and we did it just, I sent it through the, just like a mortal, no? Through the DVD. It was not a DVD, but I think it's called Filmbox. It's a, an online platform. Yeah. And I didn't know anyone, so I just sent the film and it, it got in. Oh, nice. Uh, and we went there and it was amazing. And, and we won uh, two, two prizes there, which was mind blowing. And thanks. Thanks to that festival, uh, many other horror film festivals heard about the film and they started uh, inviting us. So I just got, we just got to Sigis and, and everything happened afterwards. Cool. And um, I mean, has it caught the eye of any distributors yet? I mean, have you got any kind of distribution lined up or anything like that? It has been strange. Yes, in we the film was released 2017 in Mexico. Uh, theatrically uh, in Peru theater as well and it just uh, last week was in, in Spain uh, theatrical as well and in Mexico also it's been in DVD and, and Blu-ray uh, it's gonna be I think in Amazon Prime but I think it's the territory of Latin America it's been it, it has been sl slow I've talked to a lot of uh, people, a lot of sales agents uh, looked for, for me for the film, but since I gave the rights to a Mexican 
distributor, theatrical, but also for um, streaming, so they can sell it worldwide. In this day and age, most sales agents, at least in my experience, they all wanted specifically the, the streaming uh, yeah. windows for, for the world. And since I already had given those, they were not interested in, in, in DVD and Blu-ray and, and that for the rest of the world, the ones that contacted me. But right now, I'm, I'm looking for options. Uh, yeah, to see how, how can I spread the film, because I hate it that, that, that it's, it's kind of, it feels bad when you already did the film and then it's not, it doesn't spread throughout the world. Yeah, it's a real shame as well, because like, for example, on Netflix or Shudder, um, you see a lot of pretty bad horror films and this one's really <laughs> unique. It has a different take on the... Um, fan footage genre. I think it looks awesome and I think more people should see it. So hopefully you'll get something sorted out. Yeah, thank you. It will happen. I think just taking a little more time that I, than I thought, but thank you. And yeah, it will happen. I let you know. Cool. So um, what's next for you? Um, are you writing anything, working on anything? I know you're saying you're writing another screenplay at the moment. Yeah. Uh, well, horror is my genre, so... I'm about to finish this this film, which I'm very proud about. Um, I don't want to say too much right now, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I'm a few weeks uh, to to finish. Uh, there are options to shoot it in Mexico or in the U.S. I'm more excited to do it in the U.S. because then distribution and everything uh, is it, it can it becomes easier, and I, I I would avoid the problems that I'm facing with a with a Spanish-speaking film. Uh, so and the idea is for people to for the film to go to the whole world. So let's see what happens, but I think it's gonna be cleared out. Uh, in the next couple of months. Cool. I mean, I'll, I'll look forward to that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so just three quick fire questions before I let you go. Uh, the first yeah. one is, if you had to give one bit of advice to upcoming filmmakers, what would it be? Uh, mm, protect uh, your vision no matter what. I think that's the most important thing for you as a, uh, especially, I don't know, as a director, because, for example, in my case, during the five years of making the film, a lot of things happened, uh, and a lot of, I got a lot of advice and people telling me, you need to finish now, you never finish a, a, a film, you just let it go, which is true, but there's a, but there are certain things that I knew I had to do for example, in the shooting, but because of pressure of, of the moment, I didn't do it. And then during post-production, that monster appeared again and, and I really felt bad and it was like, you, you knew you had to do this and you didn't do it, so I had to fix it. So in the end, uh, stick to your vision. I mean, it's good to be open and listen to, to everybody, but there are things that you really know that have to be done. Uh, don't stop until you get there. 
Awesome. And that's what, that's what makes, uh, I think, the difference. And that's what makes a project to have its unique vision instead of being generic like other projects. Awesome. I think it's really good advice. Um, so what are your three favorite horror films of all time? Uh, they change, but uh, Rosemary's Baby, yep. The Omen. I just watched that the other day. Okay, and right now I think uh, The Tenant, Roman Polanski. A good, good selection there. Um, yeah. So, final thing, um, where can people follow you on social media if you use it, maybe Twitter, Instagram, anything like that, or where people can just keep up with what you're doing? Uh, actually, no, I, I, I gave up all my social media. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I was... A lot of things have happened during this year and a half that I've been writing because I've, I've been kind of isolated on purpose and I've discovered a lot of things uh, about myself and, and social media really for me didn't work. I, I don't know. I saw a lot of things where people want to portray an image of themselves or that that's fake and I don't know I, I don't find uh, I kind of don't find anything in, in there for me right now oh wow well, I mean, that, that's awesome I mean I wish I could do that <laughs> I mean it was really hard for me to find you just to ask for this interview I can't remember why, how I even did it um, ah yeah but but you see you but you found it there's yeah. always a way that's what i like it's it's and, and the ones that are interested will find you yeah well, anyway <laughs> yeah. um good luck with uh getting uh, 1974 more of a worldwide release i hope it happens soon and with your new project as well i'll look out for that thank you very much uh, it was nice and and yeah talk to you soon awesome thank you thank you bye-bye goodbye and that was my chat with victor dreyer um, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, as you can see, he had a lot of problems when he was making his uh, feature film, 1974, but he persisted and it came out really, really cool. Uh, so just before I let you guys go, a couple of recommendations. The short film we're recommending today is called Bedfellows by Drew Daywalt, which is a really short two or three minute um, horror film on YouTube. Um, you should probably check it out. I don't want to give too much away because it's literally a setup and a payoff. Um, and the feature I'm recommending today is called Oculus by Mike Flanagan. You can find that on Netflix and it's about a brother and sister being haunted by a supernatural mirror. Well, that's it. Um, I'll see you in a few weeks time. Goodbye.